Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that's like one of those fancy Starbucks drinks. Nobody knows what the hell's in it, you just feel better afterwards. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from a, uh, hey, summer is almost here. Summer kind of weather here in Concord, North Carolina. Yeah, it's beautiful outside. Uh, and I've seen my first tree frog out on the front porch. So I've been uh, talking to him the, the uh, past few nights. But on tonight's show, in Pipe Parts. Uh, there was a forum thread about uh, troves of unsmoked pipes and where do they come from. Well, I'm going to address that from the industry side. Where do all these uh, unsmoked old stock pipes show up from? And my guest tonight is uh, Dan Nemitz. Dan is uh, not old stock. He's uh, one of the younger guys and uh, starting to do some fun stuff for the American pipe makers. So we're going to talk to him. Then uh, mailbag music. I've got uh, I got a couple of music pieces. Well, I got one I want to play, but we'll see how that goes. And uh, rant, rant about uh, pipe shows coming up. All that on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, yeah, so summer's coming along. Summer is almost here, and I can feel it warming up. We hit about 88 degrees yesterday. And my skin's starting to soak up some of that humidity, which that means that I've now switched to some of my summertime smokes. Yeah, as I've said before, I take the, uh, you know, all winter long I smoke a Virginia Perique, and then usually during the day, the more medium, and then I head to the heavier. Well, during the summertime, I switch it up, and I start my mornings with, uh, with a couple of bowls of just a straight Virginia, and I've got a couple of them that I like, and then I go on to the, on to the medium periques and uh, switch from the heavier bourbons to uh, you know maybe a lighter bourbon. So it's summertime, and uh, hey, it's also a reminder for those of you that wear uh, socks with sandals. It's summertime; you can take the socks off now, unless you've got nasty feet. Keep them covered up for us. But uh, summertime's coming around for those of us in the northern hemisphere. All right, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl, and thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Here we go. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well the exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. 
CupofJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupofJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupofJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, CupofJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Hey, this is Pipe Dave Gabrielle, and you're listening to Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Welcome back. And uh, speaking of pipe babes, uh, you know, Kevin did a pipe babe shoot at the Chicago Pipe Show. I was not allowed there, so I'll have to wait and see what those pictures look like. All right, so in pipe parts, there was a forum thread started by uh, member MSO489 called Troves of Unsmoked Aged Pipes. And here's what he wrote. Uh, about a year or two ago, a stash of old Hilson pipes surfaced and was apparently sold off. I can't remember if these were entirely finished pipes or if they were carved bowl and shank briars awaiting stems, but they'd been sitting around for decades after a Hilson factory closed. Lately, quite a quantity of ROP pipes have arrived on the market after being discovered in the Chacombe factory, uh, as reported by SmokingPipes.com. You'd think in a relocation or sale of an entire brand, someone would take these valuable assets in custody and sell them off for quick cash to liquidate the property. This seems to happen fairly regularly. Anyone have any idea why pipes are vulnerable to being left unfinished and or unsold? I don't expect to see a sale of old used Oldsmobiles, Pontiacs, and Saturns anytime soon. Why pipes? Well, here's why pipes. And uh, going back into my Brigham days, and even further back, regularly pipe factories would come to us and say, we've got this assortment of unfinished pipes. Pipes at different stages of production. They might be literally just a phrased bowl that needs a yeah that still needs to be finished off and uh, finished shaping and have a stem made for it might be something as much as the bowls are completely finished and they just need stems on them or the uh, the pipe is completely finished just needs to be cleaned up a little bit and stamped with something on it so in the past uh up, I'm going to say up until about 2010 or 11 you go back into the 1960s and every pipe factory in the world was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And they had to learn how to do more with or do less with more and trim down the factory to survive the downturn in pipes being sold. Now, in a situation like the ROP or the Hilson brand, uh, the Hilsons coming from Big Ben, who I'm very familiar with, the ROPs coming from Chacombe, who I've dealt with in the past. I'm going to guess, and I'm not going to say that this is the exact right answer, but uh, warning, 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 this is my opinion, and I am the leading expert on my own opinion. Uh, what happened was they were making the, uh, they were making the ROP pipes for a brand owner or for, uh, for a distributor, and that distributor went out of business. And when you're talking about a large amount of pipes, maybe 500 to 1,000 pipes, those phrased bowls fit in two very large boxes. And when that company went out of business or the distribution, the distributor shut down or the distributor didn't want to buy anymore, they'd put whatever they had in boxes and set it off to the side. Now, you fast forward to 2007, 8, 9, and we start to see an uptick in pipe sales. And by 2010 and 11, we're having a shortage of pipes. 
a lot of these factories are now looking around and they are finally realizing that there is ways to sell these off. It may be as simple as finishing off 500 to 800 pipes. In one situation that we got approached from Chacombe, they had about eight 900 pipes in assorted small sizes that had been finished in the 1960s and 1970s, so they were smaller size originally for the European market, but the bowls had been already completely turned and were just sitting there and needed stems put on them. They gave us an offer on the price for all of them, and we bought all of them in one shot. They finished them up, did them over a week or so, whatever time it took, shipped us all of them, and we sold them off in a couple of big shots to some of our customers. And I know some of them ended up in uh, starter kits or packs like that. Uh, So it's not a big amount of space. It's not like where do you park a whole bunch of the last Saturn cars ever made or where do you put the old Pontiacs ever made. Uh, It doesn't take up a lot of space. You're talking about just the bowl and the shank of the pipe in most cases, and you can just pile them in a corner. Now, for those of us pipe smokers that are on a budget, what do these pipes represent to us? Well, I'm going to say that they're probably not the premier briar of their time, because if it was the premier briar of their time, they would have gone to maybe a more fluid or more uh, a more profitable brand. But I am going to tell you that After a pipe's been turned or phrased or has a tobacco chamber drilled in it, it allows more air to penetrate that block of wood and dries it even further for uh, for a longer time. And these pipes sitting in these factories that are heated and air-conditioned over numerous years, they represent probably a really good smoking value for us. Uh, They represent probably a lighter weight pipe than what would be turned right now out of a block of wood because they've had some some of them 40 years of sitting and airing out. So if you can get a chance to pick one of those up, go for it. Uh, ask your uh, favorite retailer if they happen to have any of these old closeouts or uh, relaunches of stuff using old stock and try them, taste test them, see what you think of it. So There you go, troves of unsmoked age pipes and uh, how they happen. Got any questions, post them on the forums or email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a minute, Dan Nemitz will be on the phone with me. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash... And your tobacco is lit as the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth. You smile, casting your first line into the water. The slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. 
Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me on the phone from uh, the great state of Michigan is Dan Nemitz. And Dan, the first time I met you, I believe you were walking around the Chicago Pipe Show with a uh, Order of Collegiate Pipe Smokers t-shirt on, and now you're, uh, uh, now I guess you've graduated on to other stuff, and you're off doing your own thing, so uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, take two of those and call me in the morning. Uh, uh, so, did you grow up in Michigan? I did. Uh, I grew up in a little town, uh, a pretty little tourist trap called Saugat uh, Park, Michigan. Right on uh, Lake Michigan. And, uh, yeah, I don't regret it for a second. Except for those long winters. Yeah. And, uh the winters up here are just awful. Uh, this past one in particular was really rough. It, uh, <clears throat> it was just freezing cold the entire time, and the lake effects no never helps. So what got you started smoking a pipe? Freshman year of college. Uh, I'll place all that blame on Andy Miller. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a week before classes, and we were itching for something to do. And I said, hey, let's go look for this really awful cigar that I bought at a gas station once upon a time. So we cruised all over town uh, trying to find the cigar, and we could not find it. And we pulled up in front of the local brick and mortar, and I thought, if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in here. And we were really nervous because at the time, both of us were 17. Uh, How I knew we were going to get the cigar is beyond me, but we went in anyway, and we were really nervous. And we rounded the corner, uh, and the first thing we see is a very old man eating a soft-serve ice cream cone. <laughs> and it, it was the most off-putting thing, I think. Uh, I was so nervous, and there he is just eating ice cream with a big stupid grin on his face. And he welcomed us into the shop, and of course he didn't have this awful cigar that I was looking for, but uh, we decided to look around anyway. And before we left, Andy says to me, Dan, I think I'm going to get a pipe. I'm like, that has got to be the stupidest thing I have ever heard of. (laughs) So he bought this pipe and took it home, and, you know, we kind of smoked it together. And the next week I went in and got one. Uh, And the following week we got my other roommate, Luke Gagne, in there, and he got one. And by that time, the people who worked at the shop were like, hey, you should attend our pipe club. Well, sure. That sounds great. (laughs) So we show up, and 
probably wouldn't like these guys because we show up and the entire Pipe Club meeting, all they did was complain about American Idol. And <laughs> I thought that was just the coolest thing. And after that, it was it was all downhill, baby. Well, wait, wait, what year was this that they were complaining about American Idol? They're just a bunch of crotchety old men sitting in the back room of the local brick and mortar, smoking pipes and complaining about what all these kids are into. Yeah, but it was pre-Harry Connick Jr., so that's okay with me. Yeah. Even though they just got canceled, they announced the last season, but don't get me started on that. All right, so so how many of you in in this uh, in this group of young pipe buyers? How many of you are actually legally able to buy tobacco? Uh, zero. Uh, but thankfully, time passed, and uh, then the ship bill passed, and then things got really serious. But um, for the first six months to a year, none of us were of legal age, and thankfully, they didn't care. Okay, so the statute of limitations has expired, so <laughs> so we're safe to this, talk about it. This brick and mortar shop will remain unnamed. Uh, do you remember what the first pipe was and what your first tobacco choice? I do. It was a it was a basket pipe that since I've owned it, I've had to repair five times because <laughs> it was awful. And the tobacco that I had chosen for my very first pipe, it was McClellan's VVC. Uh, very rich, slap you in the face vanilla. Well, at least you started off with a decent quality one. Oh yeah, I mean, hey, I could have, I could have did Captain Black and suffered with the others, but they had the selection, so it worked. Out, out of this first group of guys, how many of you are still smoking a pipe and participating in the pipe club and stuff like that? Of that pipe club that I talked to or at least talked about, yeah. uh, that pipe club doesn't exist anymore. In fact, most of its members have died. Um, what about you young guys? Young guys. It's After attending that club and doing some things with them, uh, me and Andy both got hired into that shop. <laughs> and it wasn't six months after being hired in that I asked the owner, I'm like, hey, man, uh, you know, I, I love your club and all, but it seems to me that there's a big group of young kids who are all interested in this, like myself. And I was wondering if we could have uh, a younger pipe club. And he said, well, give it a shot. Uh, none have ever lasted more than a year, but you're welcome to it. So we did it. And uh, of that original crew, I believe everybody still smokes a pipe. Uh, in fact, I met up with a lot of them just this past weekend, and we were all smoking pipes and drinking craft beer, and it was wonderful. <laughs> now, uh, now, you guys are old enough to drink beer legally, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep, our RAs aren't sneaking it in for us anymore. <laughs> okay, yeah, now it's no fun. It's legal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so did you did you go through the standard progression of, I, all right, I found a pipe, I like it, now I want another one, and... Uh, did you start digging into them more and more on the internet? Oh, absolutely. Uh, having, I, I think, considering my history, I've been very lucky. Uh, from very early on, I've had really good access to just about everything. And I had a boss who 
the second day on the job took me into the humidor and he goes, Dan, I want you to smoke all these cigars. I want you to try every pipe tobacco on the house. I said, really? He said, yep. If you don't try them, you will not be able to sell them to our customers effectively. So you need to be the master. Uh, so from early on, I had access to all this really, really great stuff. And uh, he just let me roll with it. So from the very beginning, I had jumped head first. And when the old folks club couldn't help me out anymore, I, I looked onto the internet. When the internet couldn't help me anymore, I tried finding as many old uh, pipe smoking books as I could find. I think my library now has close to 20 different books. Um, and all of them are more or less helpful and more or less cover the same thing, but I did learn a lot from them. And in the beginning, the first book I had ever read was uh, Carl Ewa's The Books of Pipes and Tobacco. And even today, I still consider that the Bible. That yeah. is a great book. So I went online and found some different things, and I had, I had read online that there's this pipe show thing that they do. Um <laughs> So I, I asked the old folks club about it, and they're like, yeah, well, there's there's one coming up uh, in May. It's called the Chicago Pipe Show. And I thought to myself, that sounds like fun. So I went with uh, the carver of the club, Russ Cook, who I struck up a friendship with very, very early on. And uh, me and him went together. And ever since that first show, me and him make the pilgrimage over to Chicago and share a room and beer and tobacco and have a blast there what year was the first show uh it was 08 for me uh and i've been going back ever since so what was it like for you walking into that show the first time having eyes so big your skull can't really accommodate them <laughs> um it, it was just it was fascinating you know my my little world of things that i discovered by myself had just instantly been validated and then pushed to the infinite degree. Uh, the people you meet there and the stuff you can find there are unrivaled. It is, uh, I mean, it is quite an experience. And then we fast forward. What was, do you remember your first real expensive pipe that you bought that you thought, oh, wow, I never thought I'd spend this amount of money on a pipe? I do, and it's a funny story. Uh, it was in the fall of 2008 that this old folks club I keep referring to uh, held their own pipe show. It was a Michigan pipe show, and they held it up at this little resort full of cabins sitting on a lake in northern Michigan, uh, yeah. all pine trees and just gorgeous setting. Uh, and it was there that Russ had, uh, he was doing this raffle for one of his pipes, and it was one of the wax drip styles. Mm -hmm. So I figured, hey, I'll throw 20 bucks at him, and if I win, great. If not, I get to support my friend. And I ended up winning. Uh, <clears throat> it was Andy who drew the name from my hat, and when they announced my name, from the back of the room, I go, are you, are you messing with me? <laughs> and <clears throat> immediately after that, I, I went up and I accepted the pipe, and <clears throat> I sat back down. And I must have been approached by 15 or 16 different people offering me hundreds of dollars on the spot for this pipe. And thought to myself, I must have something really special here. So 
I loaded it up, and the difference was like night and day between, I believe at that time, the, the same basket pipe, uh, an awful, awful church warden, uh, and maybe one or two other pipes that I, you know, saved my money and gotten. Uh, and it was that pipe that kind of led me to where I'm at today. That was that was the pipe that led you down the uh, dark. I mean, uh, led you down the bright path of happiness. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I I just at that time I was so used to a pipe having certain uh, inconsistencies, like a bad gurgle or burning too hot or being uncomfortable in my mouth. It. When I when I lit up that pipe for the first time, I knew that I had to try and find as many handmade pipes as I could uh, and add those to my collection because those were the pipes that initially I'd found the best luck with. And, and thus began the fact that you stopped eating and stopped buying clothes and just started buying pipes. Oh, goodness. You know, for being a college student, even the beer money took a hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That was serious. Oh, uh, it was tough. How many pipes do you have right now in your collection? Uh, somewhere close to 50. So it's it's grown a little bit over the years. It has. Uh, and the number was initially a lot higher than that from years ago, but in... Uh, doing all the OCPS stuff, we'd have people come in off the street who had been driving by and saw that the lights were on. So they, you know, they kind of poked their heads into the shop and decided they wanted to be a part of the pipe club. So a lot of those earlier pipes that I had, I just gave away. <laughs> so you gave away the bad ones to new people off the streets in hopes that they'd stay for a while. Well, I figured... You know, the worst thing that happens is they say, yeah, I could get into this. Maybe this free pipe doesn't treat me the best, but if I try something different, maybe that will maybe that will continue to get the ball rolling. But I figured with a free pipe, if it sparks their interest, uh, then everybody is better for it. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Dan's doing now that's all uh, new and exciting. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Dan, who uh, 
started out smoking when he wasn't allowed to and uh has been on the uh has been on the right path ever since then, right? That's right. All right. So let's fast forward. Um, what are you doing now? Tell us about AmericanPipeMakers.com. So a year, year and a half ago now, uh, I started an online business slash pipe show, pipe show business that, uh, that caters to this blow up of new American pipe makers, but initially it was, and even still, it's, it's for reasons that I consider to be very pure. Uh, being friends with Russ Cook as long as I have, back in college I'd be spending every Sunday out there, hanging out in his workshop and getting a feel for what he does and why he's been doing it as long as he has. Uh, so to go back to that I'm a lucky duck history show, yeah, I'm a lucky duck. Um, so I'd be hanging out there every Sunday and yucking it up with him. And once he asked me, like, well, hey, have you ever have you ever considered wanting to do anything like this? And I thought, well, sure. He goes, okay, we'll have you make a tamper. And I think I must have spent five or six hours on this tamper. And it was just a simple thing. If you take your first finger and then just crook it a little bit and then cut it off at the last joint uh, closest to your hand, that's what this tamper looked like. <laughs> and it, it was a simple number made out of a briar scrap. And, uh, you know, the whole time he'd be doing his own stuff and then he'd come back and look at my progress and be like, oh, it's lumpy there. Oh, there's a standing mark. Oh, you messed it up on the buffer, you know, it, constantly uh, giving me critiques on my work as I did it. And when I was done, I felt really accomplished. I still have that tamper, and it's kind of disgraceful. <laughs> so I tried to make a tamper once. It didn't work out. But in doing that tamper, I learned that, holy cow, making a pipe must be really, really hard. So I... I'd be hanging out with Russ, and he would, I'd see him go to these pipe shows and still come home with pipes, and I'm thinking to myself, there's there's no way that somebody who's been doing it this long and is this talented should still have pipes on his table at the end of the show. It, I still consider Russ to be one of the most underrated carvers that's out there today. So I thought maybe I could help him by creating a retail space that caters to guys like him. The guys who have been doing quality work are underrated and need exposure. So I started American Pipe Makers with Russ in mind, but it's morphed into not only having some of the, the more experienced pipe makers on there, but actually most of what I have on my site right now, with a few exceptions, are new makers that have some pretty wild talent. And, uh, it's it's been a riot. I figure if I can help them through a retail environment, I think I think we'll all be better off because one, I won't be bored, and number two, it will help out some people who really need it. What so, are you What are you looking for when you look at a pipe maker that you know that you might put on your website? Um. The first set of criteria is two different things. Uh, aesthetics is number one, uh, and bit work is number two. Uh, 
I know if somebody is doing bit work right from the get-go, that they're probably going to go this. Because I see all too often really lumpy, awful, uncomfortable bit work. Uh, with new pipe makers and with old pipe makers, which is a pity. Um, but if you can get the bit made correctly, even if you're modifying a pre-molded stem, I think that pipe maker is going to hold a lot of profits. Uh, the second thing I look for is personality. Uh, because over the years going to pipe shows, uh, I've met a few dinks who will remain nameless. But <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you didn't name me. <laughs> I, I've met these pipe makers who have no propriety for hygiene or personality, and I just don't care to represent anybody like that. So the people I represent, I also consider to be my friends. Um, but there are a lot of people I rep represent who I've never actually met in person. All of our correspondences have been through email or phone calls. So I consider that kind of a, a really cool thing and something that speaks well for the hobby that uh, even two pipe smokers who never meet can still be very close friends uh, through this burning tobacco in a wooden bowl. Uh, <clears throat> And the last thing that I look for for somebody to represent on the website is their ambition. If they are constantly striving to become better, even if they have a pretty firm hold on uh, mechanics, engineering, aesthetics, and et cetera, if they want to continually be insatiably driven to make better pipes, then it's an easy sell. I'm sold. Now, I'm going to ask you this really long question, and, uh, and I may not ask it correctly, but I, let's, let's, see if I can, let's see if I can get this one out and uh, see if it forms in, in the way of a question. Uh, when you started the website, you had to transition from being a customer-consumer of pipes to now you're representing some pipe makers and you've got to put some product on the website that's probably not your own personal style. Uh, has there been any pipes that you looked at and said, oh my God, this is, you know, it fits the criteria, form and function works, but it's an ugly shape or it's an ugly finish or it's a terrible design. I don't know if I can sell this on my website and then you put it on there and it sells I know what you're driving at, and yes, I do it anyway, because it seems to me whenever I bring pipes to pipe shows, there are some pipes that I carry that I think to myself, man, this thing is never going to sell. It's ugly. Uh, it's built right, but it's ugly. Uh, and lo and behold, within the first hour of pipe shows, that pipe will sell. And it just it constantly blows me away. So you've had the joy of having to say, God, I can't stand that one, but I bet it'll sell. And, and the worst frustration of, man, this is a really nice pipe. Please, people, do not make me buy this. <laughs> have, have you had one that you've wanted to, that you've wanted for yourself, but in uh, in keeping the honor to the pipe maker, you've put it up on the website and hope to God nobody bought it? There have been a few instances where I've bought the pipe outright, where the pipe maker will send me a few different things 
Uh, and I'm like, well, pipe number three, I guess it's going to have to be mine. <laughs> and then there are other instances where the pipe maker will send me something and knowing who they are and realizing their work, uh, I know that I'm going to have to commission a pipe at some point. <laughs> Uh, now, just so that everybody's clear, this is not a the the website is not a full time job for you. This is more of a uh, more of a a work of passion at this point. It has been since day one. Uh, if I didn't really care about this, it would have never gotten off the ground. It would have been another, you know, half baked idea that is sitting in the drawer. Or, um, or it could have been uh, Dan's American Pipe collection.com <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, starting from the beginning I had nothing and I had no money to spend so the first six months or so that I started this business it was a lot of me saying man I've always wanted one of this guy's pipes I'll email him with the idea so I sent out maybe a dozen emails and uh, I got a lot of no's so from the, the beginning, I've, I've developed a thick skin. Uh, apparently, uh, in this path that I've taken, a lot of people have taken it before me, uh, and a lot of people have done a pretty awful job of keeping trash off the path. So from the outset, there have been a lot of no's and a lot of skepticism for what I'm trying to do. Um, but as time goes on, like initially, I'd emailed... Uh, Wayne Tyson, for example. Uh, and from the beginning, he's like, I don't know, man. I've been burned before. Yeah. I'm not ready to date again. Um, <laughs> you know, he just, he wasn't about it. It wasn't me. Um, it was what I was trying to do. But at this last Chicago Pipe Show, towards the end of Sunday, he came up and he's like, Dan, we should do business. I said, all right. That's great. I must be doing something right for him to to go back on what he said. And the same thing goes for Nate King. Both of them approached me on Sunday and said, hey, let's do business. And, you know, I've been very fortunate in that. And I've been fortunate, too, in that there have been a number of people who have contacted me saying, hey, you look new and fresh. Uh, maybe we should give it a try. I'll send you a couple of pipes and we'll see what happens. And they sell immediately. So I've been able to uh, maintain a website that features a bunch of different people but has um, a lot of selection with a little bit, well, not too much of inventory at this point. Uh, for the most part, it's been like Joe Pinkle is a really good example of somebody that I've been able to do this well with. They'll send me a couple pipes. They sell in 48 hours. He sends me a couple more pipes. They sell again. And then on top of that, um, just with being a part of some certain communities online, I've been able to give him five commissions. Uh, and it, I, I ask for no kickback from that. I just want to see him succeed the best he can because he is a new pipe maker who shows a ton of fun. And I love his work. Someday I will commission that pipe from him. Um so far, what he sent me is just, it's not been my style. Um, but I took a look at his work this past show, and I thought to myself, my God, in eight months, you have done a backflip, sir. 
uh, and by the time the leaves start to change, I'll have a pipe of yours in my collection. So really what you're offering is a is a marketing and sales arm for some of these guys that may not have time to maintain their own website or develop a uh, develop a big following off of their own uh, off of their own internet access. Very true. Um, something I'm, I'm happy to boast is to be able to represent guys who are doing it part-time. There aren't a lot of uh, retailers out there who are willing to touch the part-time guys. And just because they're doing it on a hobbyist level or because they're doing it part-time doesn't mean that the work they're creating isn't something that's really special. Uh, so it's, it's my hope with American pipe makers that I can grow big enough to not only change the way pipe smokers think about somebody who's part-time, but to try and give them a chance more often. And in the last few minutes, what do you think is the future of the, of the American pipe-making scene? Do you think we're in a, uh, in a boom period and there might be a bust, or do you think it's leveling out? I, of all the pipe-makers I've talked to, I, none of them want to give an inch. You know, they, uh, they're, they're in it because they chose to be in it. And they've sunk thousands of dollars in tulips. I don't really picture any pipe maker who's uh, part-time or hobbyist level that's like, yeah, maybe I'll quit in six months. I, I just don't really see that happening. Uh, look at it this way. If you look back in, like, the Mike Butera era, I consider those guys pre-history. Um <laughs> They set the foundation for everything that's out today. Uh, and then you have guys who picked up pipe making anywhere in the five to ten year ago range. And they built more foundation on top of that. And right now we're living a kind of a renaissance in pipe making. Yeah, there's been a lot of complaints about like, man, the quality has really gone, gone down. But my God, there's a pipe maker born a minute. What do you what do you expect to happen when there's almost no mentorship out there and everybody has to glean what information they can from the internet? So, I, I believe right now, uh, I I don't see a pipe bust coming. I really don't see a bunch of people up and leaving. If for most of the pipe makers who are out there making junk, I think before they quit, they're probably going to get their stuff together first, and they're going to give it a good last go and say, hey, maybe this. Uh, giant core looking sad piece of garbage that I just made doesn't really have a lot of appeal maybe I'll try a Dublin <laughs> <laughs> and, and then burn the bottom of it um, real quick price range of the pipes that you sell uh, anywhere from 100 to 500 I really don't want to go any higher than that so there you go. Plus, you've got some uh, some cool handmade accessories, and of course, it's fun to always see what Ollie's doing, and uh, and <laughs> you never know what's coming out of his head. So, there's oh, a yeah. lot of fun stuff to look around. The website is AmericanPipeMakers.com, and we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, my favorite pipe is actually a Ryan Alden Labatt. Can't go wrong. What's your favorite tobacco? 
Peter Heinrich's uh, Dark Strong. And now that you're legal to buy alcohol, uh, what's your favorite drink? Uh, gosh, Founders Centennial IPA. That sounds like a beer, or yeah. a, or or it's a, it's either a beer or an update to a software system. <laughs> it's a beer. Uh, when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Music. Quick story here. My grandpa, I inherited a bunch of pipes from him earlier on that I've been able to restore and care for and love and smoke. Uh, just recently, he gave me his old uh, vinyl collection. So when I come home from my day job, I start American Pipe Makers and throw on vinyl. And music has been a godsend. <laughs> and last question. Well, maybe not the last. Um, any particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory oh gosh i think it would have to be the time that i discovered virginia i was uh i was living uh back up at central michigan university in mount pleasant and it was kind of a commute to get to classes you'd have to cut through the disc golf course and then up through uh the the activity center and then through a bunch of dorms to get to any classes and Somebody at the shop said, Dan, you should really try McClellan's 5100. So I tried it a few times before, and it just didn't really do anything for me. So I figured I'd load it up for the walk to class, and it, it was just a gorgeous afternoon. And while walking through uh, kind of the wilderness to get to class, uh, that tobacco agreed with me all of a sudden. And since then, I haven't. <laughs> and uh, last question that we just got tweeted into me, even though I don't have Twitter. Uh, uh, when are you marrying that girlfriend of yours? Hopefully before the year's out. Does she know it? Probably. Oh. We've been pretty candid. <laughs> well, I couldn't. I couldn't not have you on the show and say hi to Gabby without uh, you know without sneaking her in somehow. I figured it would come in somehow. So there you go. Check out Dan's website, AmericanPipeMakers.com. Uh, where will we see you next? Uh, I'll be at the Columbus Pipe Show for sure. Um, but I, I was talking with, uh, uh, with one of the guys I met at Chicago, and he gave me some really good reasons to attend uh, Nashville and New Orleans. So maybe those two, too. And if you come to Vegas for the pipe show, they've got drive through wedding chapels. <laughs> Don't daddy earmuffs. So there you go. Dan, thanks <laughs> Thanks for joining me. We'll uh, see you uh, shortly. Yeah, see you next time. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Craftsmanship. History. Tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company, and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. 
In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Welcome back, and uh, remember, you must be 18 years of age in order to enjoy this show. At least 18. Alright, so I'm I'm changing up the music. Uh, specifically for Gabby. This will be her treat, even though she was not able to be on the show. We'll play this piece of music for her. It's one, from one of her favorite movies, and it's the uh, Brian Wilson version of Kiss the Girl from The Little Mermaid. Kiss the girl. Go on and kiss the girl. 
I don't know if uh, Brian Wilson or any of the Beach Boys smoked a uh, tobacco pipe, but uh, I'm, I can tell you that sax player at the beginning, he's definitely a smooth pipe smoker. And you can't go wrong with uh, Brian Wilson or uh, any Disney music. Mm, message from the dark side there is. In the mailbag, let's start off with John Seiler, who is always fun to hang out with at Chicago. John writes, hi, Brian, D-O-P. Uh, thank you for not putting the E on there. Uh, he says, it was really great seeing you in Chicago. Congratulations again on the D.O.P. honors. The Chicago show is always great. The anticipation is high on the way up, and the same on the way home, talking with others in the car about our show experience. I remember E.A. Carey Pipes and the Magic Inch from advertisements and magazines and newspapers from many years ago. I've smoked one at one time or another. It is nice to see them expanding the lines they carry due to the demise of small tobacco shops. I do not believe I've tried any of their tobacco blends. Uh, the JDRF total is phenomenal. Uh, yeah, yes it is, and it's still going up. Uh, we'll probably peak over uh, $2,850, so thank you very much. Uh, John goes on to write, Music in a sentimental mood was very nice, nice resting music after the busy weekend. Uh, rant, what can I say, life is tough. Brian, I need a bit of help. I'm trying to contact any of the old members of the Internet Relay Chat IRC group, uh, hashtag pipes or number pipes or whatever, tic-tac-toe board pipes, whatever you want to call that, which was active from 1997 through around 2012. If you or any of your listeners know of any of them, please have them contact me either through Facebook or via email. We've resurrected the group on Facebook. Thanks, good show, and again, congratulations. Yeah, so if you are on the uh, IRC chat group or the uh, hashtag pipes, uh, find John Seiler on Facebook. He's recreated that group, and it's a lot of fun to read through. Uh, Dino says... Dr. Brian, Mazel tov. I'm so happy our club honored you as a doctor of pipes. It is well-deserved. I enjoyed the informative conversation with Marcus Jones and your choice of Duke and Train playing in a sentimental mood was inspired. It was truly fun to reconnect with you at the Chicago show and share Barb's info, ideas, and fellowship. While you are now a doctor, you're also a mensch. Congratulations, Dino. Dino, it's also nice to see that you brought your daughter with you to the show jab right back uh riffraff writes congratulations brian that is outstanding news and well deserved which brings to mind and then he links to a youtube video that's uh hysterical um i'm pretty sure that is how the conclave of dops gets started a great show as always i love the interview with marcus extremely interesting and informative i might have to make it out to guernsey one of these days congrats on the jdrf fundraising this is a great bunch that we are associated with. Love the music selection. You can't go wrong with Coltrane. Great show, gents. Again, congrats, Brian. And then the, the kilted one. And this was fun. And I forgot to mention it in the show recap. So I see this guy walking towards me wearing a kilt and a t-shirt that says uh, malt whiskey, but it's written in the Disney font with uh, Mickey Mouse's silhouette is dotting the I. So anyway, Jordan writes... Brian, congratulations on the award of Doctor of Pipes and another great show. It was great meeting you in Chicago for my first show. It was incredibly overwhelming, even more so when I'm only two seconds in the door and you appeared from nowhere. 
Glad you liked my uh, Disney whiskey t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, back to the radio show, and it's fantastic to hear the JDRF auctions are doing better every year. Your interview with Marcus was good. I used to be a member of EC of uh, EA Carey's Tobacco Club and have tried a few other blends, and they are good. Cheaper, too. Music was good, nice, and relaxing. I agree with your rant. It can be hard going from one mindset to another in a short period of time. Uh, I also liked Kevin's clips. <laughs> Congrats again, and hopefully meet you again, Jordan. Yeah, hopefully we get together and uh, hang out and uh, actually get a chance to sit and smoke a pipe. Uh, don't forget there are articles coming up on uh, pipesmagazine.com in reference to the Chicago Pipe Show. And uh, let's see, where am I next? Uh, Kansas City Pipe Show, June 21st, 20th, something like that. And then uh, August is the NASPC Pipe Show. And I'll let you know if anything else pops up in between. Uh, in the meantime, rant time, next. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Heck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. Some days you're the dog, other days you're the fire hydrant. Yeah, that's an old southern phrase that I want you to remember. Some days you're the dog, some days you're the fire hydrant. Now, this goes out to, specifically to, exhibitors at a pipe show. If you pay to rent a table and put a table out and put your product out there, this goes out to you because remember, some days you're the dog, other days you're the fire hydrant. It is a good show if, it is a good show if people show up. If you don't sell anything, it's not a bad show. I don't want to hear you complaining, oh, I hardly sold anything, but there was a bunch of people there. It was a terrible show. No, it wasn't a terrible show. You happen to be the fire hydrant. 
Yeah, because some days you're the dog, some days you're the fire hydrant. It's a good show if there are people there showing up, walking around, spending their time there. If you don't happen to sell anything, it's your fault because you didn't have the product that they wanted. Don't complain, it's a bad show, I hardly sold anything, because some days you're the dog, other days you're the fire hydrant. Now, if I could figure out exactly what everybody wanted to buy or try or take home every show, I'd be a freaking genius and I wouldn't be doing this little podcast. I'd be selling multi-million dollar whatevers and uh, sitting on a beach. But, I can tell you that some days you're the dog, some days you're the fire hydrant, But it doesn't make it a bad show if you don't sell anything. What makes it a bad show is if people don't show up and there's nobody out there walking the aisles, nobody out there supporting the show. This past Chicago show was a great show. There was a ton of people there. Walk-in attendance was way up. If you didn't sell a whole bunch of stuff, it's because you either didn't have what they wanted or you were overpriced. So don't blame the show for it. I've heard several people say, I hardly sold anything. It was a bad show. No, it wasn't a bad show. You had the wrong product or the right people weren't there for you. So just remember, some days you're the dog. Other days you're the fire hydrant. Some days this podcast or this radio show is really good. Other days it's the fire hydrant. You just have to get used to it. That's what life's about. All right, don't forget to leave any uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes or Stitcher or Podkicker or Podcast or Podbay or wherever you happen to listen to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Share it all with your friends. Hey, if you're not on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, like the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook. You get a little advance on some of the stuff that's going on. Um, Got any comments or suggestions? Post them right there on the radio show page on PipesMagazine.com or you can email them directly to me, Brian at PipesMagazine.com. I want to thank Dan for uh, taking time to visit with us. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company. And until next time... Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Portions of tonight's broadcast were performed under the influence of Basil Hayden's eight-year-old small batch bourbon, and therefore the management of this show cannot be held accountable for anything said, done, did, dad, and who did, and then, and I'll have another drink, thanks.